Hello and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter, as featured on BBC Radio 4 Extra's Podcast Hour, BBC Radio Manchester and also now BBC Radio Lancashire. Hello everyone, it's officially a year since the From a Lancashire Last podcast started last December in 2020. I am so happy with how it's gone and I've really, really enjoyed speaking to and interviewing lots of interesting people from Lancashire. Here's another one for you. Enjoy! Joining me today is Paul Williams from Chockamore. We're going to be chatting all about the business with Willy Wonka himself. Um, so, Paul, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm very good, thank you. A little bit tired, being an early morning this morning. So, yes, a bit tired this morning, but all good. So, you're the director of chocolate innovation at Chockamore, which is yeah, a chocolate just artisan. A, yeah, I'm just a gopher. I clash chocolate together. I make weird and wonderful flavours and yeah it's it's fun why did you decide to set up your own chocolate company then Uh, very very simple i couldn't get a job so my background is commercial finance and back in 2010 so the twin uh, sorry 31st of december 2010 i was made redundant um about a year year and a half earlier uh the company which i was working for which was a commercial finance company, specialist mortgage company, um, the, the bank had turned around and said, look, we don't want to be in that sector anymore. Um, can you repay your 25 million pound overdraft facility? So the writing was on the wall. We got about 18 months out of it. And then, as I say, on the 31st of December, 2010, I was made redundant. Um, 2011, I set off looking for a job. I sent out just over a 1,000 CVs in that 2011. Wow. Yeah. And got zero jobs so towards the end of 2011 i'm in a really um not a very good place a very dark place and um after that many rejections you kind of go right i've got two choices i can either jump off an m61 bridge which was an option or i can get off my backside and go and make my own job now what do i like well my love and passion is food So I started looking within the the food sector of what I could do. Now, one of the things I used to do at Christmas time was I used to make pate and looked into pate. But what is a very, very cheap product to get uh, to buy, um, it's a very expensive product to get to the marketplace. So what you end up having to do is refrigeration, specialist kind of packaging to get it to your customer. Um, So in the end, environmental health issues and everything else, it was just like, no, we're not doing this. And then I started looking at a Greasy Spoon Cafe and the guy was wanting, I think it was 30,000 quid locally to me um, for this Greasy Spoon Cafe. Uh, Nothing wrong with Greasy Spoon Cafes, but it's very hard to take it to the next level. But the guy kind of left slip that in the 18 months he had had it, he'd never taken a wage. Now, that doesn't quite bode too well, uh, (laughs) me coming from a finance background. So numbers are everything. And then... On the 7th of January, 2012, at approximately two o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep. I was downstairs. I was stressed. Uh, Money worries were starting to get tight. And I read an article on uh, on the Internet. It was on the Observer website about a gentleman who'd come up, I think it was from Wiltshire, did a two day course in Manchester, went home and set his own chocolate business up. I thought, oh, I could do that. Right. How do you make chocolate? 
And it was as simple and as easy and as daft as that. I did 24 hours of actual research. What transpired in that uh, short period of uh, time was that just in the UK, it's a five billion pound industry. Wow. Yeah. Higher end chocolate has never, ever, ever been in a recession. That took me a couple of years to understand that one and why. Um, and the average UK citizen consumes between nine and a half and 10 kilos of chocolate per person per year. So good now, business to go into. Good business. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking coming from a finance background, if I could take, you know, I don't know, half of that type of business, I'd be quite happy. So, yeah, I kind of did my research. I then told my wife, uh, Jackie, and she turned around and said, go for it. And the first thing she didn't do was laugh. I told my mother and she wet herself. But um, it was just that thing. I went on a two-day course and I've never been on another course in my life. We now hold 51 awards, seven world awards, um, many runners-up awards for the business. Um, and I love what I do. The weird thing is, and people still find this a little bit um, hard to take on, is I'm not a great lover of chocolate. Oh, that was going to be my question. Have you always loved it? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I see it as, a, as a, a proper business opportunity. However, do I want to sit there and eat chocolate? Absolutely not. Um, I love what I can do, but I'm probably a better person to actually come up with new flavors because I can be very, very judgmental over how does it actually taste? What do you think? If it's good enough for me as a chocolate, as a kind of a non-chocolate person, what's it going to do for the people who do like chocolate? So are you more a savoury person than a sweet person? Absolutely. Yeah. If I could dip a pork pie in chocolate and serve it, I would be more than happy. That, oh, I love pork, so that, that would be a <laughs> business opportunity. We have done, we, we have done savoury. Um, every month we do what's called uh, Choc a Month, uh, subscription service and bar of the month. And last Christmas, sorry, Christmas previous to that, um, and we do the subscription service and then we do 24 bars in the shop. And when they're sold, they're sold, that's it, it's not coming back. And two years ago, we did uh, milk chocolate with peanut butter and smoked bacon. Oh, wow. Absolutely fantastic. We played around with peanut butter again last year. But last year we used uh, pretzel, so crushed up pretzel, and gentleman's relish. Mm. Now, if nobody knows what gentleman's relish is, it's anchovy paste. Wow. So what you get is a real kind of umami, salty peanut butter in milk chocolate. They say, they say that like savoury things are quite good to accompany and bring out the flavour of chocolate, don't they? So if you had like Absolutely. A I always say if, you, if you're a cheese lover, the one thing you should always, but always, always have on the cheese board are McVitie's chocolate, milk chocolate biscuits. Wow. It sounds bonkers. It goes amazing with something like Butler's Black Sticks Blue. It goes well with their, um, what's the other one they do? Um, their brie. But if you think about it, what's in milk chocolate? Milk. What's in cheese? Milk. They have to go together. Mm, yeah, I've never you thought get, that. You know, if you ever think about a cheese board, the one thing which always goes quickest are the Hovis biscuits. Why? Yeah. Because they are sweet. And if they're sweet, 
you love that sweet and salty, that sweet and savory, which all comes together. Yeah. So it's, it's playing around and turning it on its head. We did some um, bonbons. Uh, so a bonbon is effectively a truffle with a harder outer shell. Um, most people just call them truffles, but they're not. Um, and we did, they, they were going to the World Cheese Awards in Nantwich in Cheshire. And we did 5,000 of these uh, Black Sticks Blue, Milk Chocolate, Miso, um, and Port Truffles. And they were supposed to last two days. They lasted the first day. It was eight deep at their place trying to get in to actually sample these truffles. You know, our biggest seller at the shop is orange jalfrezi, orange and curry. But it works perfectly. Yeah. So people who come to our shop can, you know, it's been a little bit difficult with COVID over the last uh, you know, number of months. But we're now starting to just get back into that uh, area where we can start letting people try a little bit of chocolate if it's not too busy in the shop. And so before you went on the course, had you had, did you have any idea how to make chocolate? No, so at the, I'm right, I'll, I'll set the kind of where I'm at at the minute. I'm not a chocolate maker. I'm a chocolatier. So a chocolate maker will take the beans, do all the process with them, and then make chocolate. I then buy the chocolate from them and make it into my weird and wonderful creations. So I'm not a chocolate maker. I'm a chocolatier. There's very few, you know, you're probably in, less than 50 chocolate makers in the whole of the UK. Oh, wow. It's a very, very, very specialised marketplace, um, which for the amount of chocolate which I go through, I go through about eight tonnes a year, and we've partnered with a, a company in um, Colombia. So to make that type of amount of chocolate, mm. is, I would need a huge, huge area just to manufacture and make the chocolate. And then I need another area to process it all to make it into what I want to do. But then the other problem is, instead of our chocolate being 350, three for a tenner, what ours would be would probably be closer to eight pounds, maybe six pounds for 70 grams, whereas ours are 100 grams. So the price changes completely differently to what it would have been if I was a, what they call a bean to bar manufacturer of chocolate. And so you're based at Cedar Farm, which is in Maudsley. That's where the shop is, but that's also where you create these. We manufacture from, yeah. So if you can just see behind me, um, this is the manufacturing. Just in this bottom corner here is one of my machines. That's Izzy. So we have Izzy, Gertrude and Doris, um, which are fully automatic tempering machines, which make my life a lot easier. So I came in this morning at about half six, um, and I've already used just short of 50 kilos of chocolate this morning just to get us ahead so we can start packing today because it's Christmas and what happens at Christmas it goes mental yeah and how does it feel sort of I know on your website it says like Willy Wonka how do you feel like creating all well, these flavors every day it's not every day uh, we do as I say for a bar of the month our subscription service it's every month I have to come up with a new flavor so this month's was a spiced medjool date in a 50% milk chocolate. But it's, it's, you know, it takes time. So what I did with that was I had to pit the medjool dates first, then put them into a food process with some ghee and a little bit of oil, 
blitz that all up, then add Baharat spice, then put that into a sous vide bag, which is a water bath bag, which is vacuumed. I then cook that in my sous vide at home at 65 degrees for three hours, let it cool overnight so that I can then use it the following day in the chocolate. So some of these, would I ever bring that one out as a full-time bar? No, because it's just too complicated. But it's nice to have that play and do things. So certain things I will bring out. So up to now, I think we've had three, four chocolates which we've brought out due to being, yeah, they're good enough for me as a non-chocolate person. I'm going to bring them out. That was brown butter and nibs, um, twisted latte, which is coffee, lemon, and a hint of chili and white chocolate. And there is another one, I can't think what it is. And there'll be another one coming out, which will be a dark chocolate cherry and tonka bean. Oh, that sounds yeah. nice. Yeah, I... so tonka bean's really chefy now. Tonka bean's one of those things which is um, chefs are using it for burnt tonka bean cream or creme brulee tonka bean. And the only reason is, is vanilla's too expensive. Oh, vanilla's yeah. too 1,200, pounds a kilo. Tonka bean's only 300 pounds a kilo. You get the same, it's called poor man's vanilla. Mm. I was never really into chocolate, a bit like you until I was probably about 16, 17. So I feel now I'm just sort of new into, what, maybe like eight years into the, the chocolate world. Um, and it was a bit of a shame because I went on a school trip when I was in high school to the Lint Chocolate Factory in Cologne yeah. and didn't try any of it or and just looked at it and enjoyed the smell but didn't taste it because I didn't like it at the time. Do you... Enjoy the smell of sort of... Don't smell it. Don't smell it anymore. No. It's weird. Don't worry, it's not COVID. Uh, <laughs> you get something which is called nose blind. So if you're around something long enough, within five or ten minutes, you can't smell it. Your brain just filters it out. Next door, we have a, a lady who does apothecary oils. You go in there and the smell is heady of, you know, lemongrass or basil or whatever it might be. Yet she can't smell it. Yeah. And it's really intense and strong. But then she comes in here and goes, oh, my God, the smell of chocolate in here is amazing. I can't smell it. So anybody who does come, if you stick around long enough, you can't smell chocolate because your brain just filters it out. But, yeah. yes, if I go on holiday and I come back, there is once in a while where you kind of think, oh, that is lovely. Yeah. Why did you decide on the name Chocomore then? Do you want the truth or the uh, kind of the water? No, right. So... <laughs> Originally, we were going to have, the, I wanted the name Naked, N-A-K-E-D, because it was all about the chocolate, strip it back, great flavours, and naked chocolate. And I could come up with some nice kind of PRE type stuff, you know, why not get naked on a Friday night, that type of thing. Mm. But then we kind of did a poll with uh, Jackie's then uh, work colleagues and the connotations of young children and naked and stuff like that, and we kind of held that back. It was then sat down at the computer, literally trawling um, the internet sites of what could I get as a www dot? Mm. That was it. Because I didn't want to have an amazing, you know, great uh, brand and product if I couldn't have the name. Yeah. So we looked at it and effectively, if you want to put a spin on it now, Chocomore chocolate, so Amor, A-M-O-R, is love in Portuguese. Portuguese were the first to kind of find chocolate back in the conquistadors in the south of uh, South Americas, brought it back into um, the Spanish um, 
uh, crown. It wasn't then distributed from the Spanish crown until about 18, sorry, 1608, 1610, somewhere around there, when it was used as a dowry. Um, and then it kind of started to spread out of Europe thereafter. So if I want to be kind of uh, posh and fancy about where did the name come from, that's where it came from, when in reality is, what could I get as a www dot? Yeah. And so what would you say your favourite thing is to make out of chocolate? I know in your shop you have sort of those kind of like big 3D cakes and, you know, the, the actual... Yeah, we do the, the giant cupcakes or we'll do bottles. And I do love... Uh, we've got a spinning machine called Stanley. Mm. And basically he spins around that way, but also spins around that way. So it moves the chocolate to the outside. And I do love doing that. We have a... Um, a sheep which we do flicked and all kind of nice and pretty that's called barbara and we also do a um a frog which i need to make probably this afternoon which is um george so those type of things i do love but really at the end of the day what we're known for is our flavors and that's where your money is you know you can make more chocolate in a in a morning or a day with the flavors which then help you allow you to do the giftware. But then the giftware brings people in and then they go, oh, I'll buy that for you know, Auntie Sandra, but I'm going to buy a salt caramel for myself. Yeah, every time I've come in, I've always ended up buying one thing for someone else. And then I always end up getting yeah. the, the chocolates, the marshmallows dipped in chocolate. Then. <laughs> well, that, so was, uh, that was originally from when we moved, because we've been around, we, we started off in Botany Bay, uh, making well I'm sat at home making chocolate and selling it in Botany Bay through a shop and then we moved into a shop where we could make and sell from we then opened up the chocolate rooms in Tarleton which we had for three oh, years yeah. and sold that and we sold that uh, five years ago and then just before we sold that we opened uh, our shop in Botany sorry in Cedar Farm so we've been in Cedar Farm about five and a half years now and it's it's just moving around and making sure that what you've got is correct and how to uh, play around with things and how to do things correctly. Um, the, the coffee shop nearly killed us because it was so busy. Whereas in reality now, um, the, the chocolate at Cedar Farm, we can, we can handle. And Cedar Farm's a good place as well because it is very much like a pottering around looking for different gifts. Oh, it is. It's, a, it's a destination place, especially with the new barn on the side uh, where yeah. they've got nice new food in there, which is lovely. Uh, there's the coffee shop. I think there's 31 or 32 businesses now at Cedar Farm. It's just down the road from me. So, you know, rather than driving into Manchester, which I used to do every day um, and taking an hour, hour and a half, it now only takes 10 minutes, sometimes 12 minutes if you get behind... Uh, um, a tractor in touch a road ridge. Yeah. And then, of course, sort of, as times are changing, people are, um, you know, there's more dairy intolerances possibly, um, yep. and there's more people choosing to be vegan. You have to make vegan chocolate for people. No, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's dark if you chocolate. Look, it is, but we also have a new one, which is oat milk. So the problem is... Normal people in the UK don't realise that if you right, if you look at milk chocolate, there's actually six ingredients. I'll come back to these two in a minute. Cocoa solids, cocoa butter, sugar and milk solids. Vanilla, soya lecithin. 
Soyalecithin is an emulsifying agent, or as one child at school said, who's that a bit like glue, sir? Yeah, that glues these together. So, cocoa solids, cocoa butter, sugar, and milk solids. Now, if you want white chocolate in the UK, uh, sorry, European style, so normal chocolate, don't put in the cocoa solids. So you've got cocoa butter, sugar, and milk solids. If you want uh, dark chocolate, don't put in the milk solids. So by default, there is no dairy in there. Mm. So if there's no dairy, it's vegan. We call it vegan friendly. Other words, contain, contains no dairy, but is made on premises which use dairy. We have separate machinery. We have separate uh, everything wherever we can, but we can't do it to the point of a certification because we would need a separate unit to make it from. Now, most people who have dairy intolerances or are vegan will accept that. There are a few who don't. There's people who have nut allergies, so we have to be careful with that one. Everything is labeled correctly, so we know that we're okay there. But yeah, we're playing with a new one at the minute, which is oat milk, but it's a 43% uh, effectively milk chocolate, but using uh, oat milk. And that's a really good product. That's dairy-free, soy-free, and gluten-free. And most of our chocolate is gluten-free as well. So um, it ticks a lot of the boxes with the celiacs as well. I never thought that chocolate would have gluten in. Yeah, but some does. So if I go back to this, our milk chocolate, cocoa solids, cocoa butter, sugar, and milk solids, the problem which you've got um, is the big companies take a lot of the cocoa solids out. By law, they're allowed to take out up to 5% of the cocoa butter, and they add lots and lots of sugar. But then they're also putting in a bulking agent in here, which is a byproduct of cheese making, which is effectively curds and whey, whey protein. So they're putting in whey or um, whey product to actually bulk this out. On top of that, because they've removed some of the cocoa butter, they're adding in things like, um, what is it? It's uh, shea butter mm. and also palm oil. If you look at the UK's leading confectionery company, they have palm oil in theirs. So Are we talking about? We're talking about Cadbury's there. I, I, I wouldn't know. Yes. Oh. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess sort of as things are changing as well, people are wanting more. Um, like you said, the, you're heavily flavors, aren't you? So people will. Yeah, want but also people are looking at things now. I don't know if you if you ever hear of terminology in chocolate. What is the percentage? Is it 75, 80, 100, 40, something, whatever it might be? It actually means how much of the bean is in the chocolate. Now, if you look at our milk chocolate, so when you look at milk chocolate, we're at 41% milk chocolate, but then you need to take into account the actual sugar, sorry, the um, milk, which is 19%. So we're now at 60%, both milk and cocoa butter and cocoa solids. The balance is scary, is sugar. So we're at 20, sorry, 40% sugar in our milk chocolate. That sounds horrendous. However, if you look at the leading uh, chocolate company, they're at 22% cocoa, solids, cocoa butter. They're then putting in uh, 10 or 11% milk chocolate, uh, sorry, uh, milk. Their balance is round about 65 to 70% sugar. Wow. So our milk chocolate is actually 37% less sugar than the high street brand. 
Wow, that's incredible. That's huge. That's huge. And so wherever we can, we've always said, let's start off with a really amazing product, which we do. We, we know that the Colombian chocolate, which we use, is outstanding. But on top of that, about three and a half years ago, we went and saw where it's all manufactured, where, sorry, where it's all grown, how it's manufactured, and oh. everything else. And it truly is an amazing product. But it now allows us to see that whole circle from growing it, processing it, getting it to us, to us making it, to us selling it. And we can see that whole process now. And because of that, we also know that our chocolate is fully 100% sustainable. Which is important these days. Which is really important. It's 100% child labor free. It's also, um, we don't go in for fair trade. We go in for something called ethical. Now, ethical makes a huge difference. Ethical is looking after the whole community, not just giving the farmer a better price for their, uh, for their beans. Oh. So we give a better price. We also, when we went there, we got to see a, um, it was a school we went to up in a place called Nekikli in the top end of um, Colombia. And it was an amazing school. And kids, we took some chocolate with us and then we gave the chocolate to the kids. The kids don't know what chocolate is because they never eat it. Yeah. It's too expensive. So where the money is, and this is one thing which we've looked at. If you look at where predominantly most of the chocolate comes from, which is the West Coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. It's grown in Africa, it's put into bags, and then it's shipped anywhere around the world. What it's actually doing is stripping out the profit center from that country where it gets grown. So what that means is you buy it in West Coast of Africa and then it goes up to, say, Belgium. It's then processed in Belgium and that's where the profit, real profit is made in chocolate, in the manufacturing. Whereas if you go over to Colombia, where we're at, the sugar, the, um, the milk, the cocoa and everything all comes from that one area in Colombia. It's then also processed in Colombia. The profit center is in Colombia. It's then shipped anywhere around the world. It makes a huge, huge difference to people's livelihoods if the profit center is in the country of origin yeah well that's incredible i didn't know any of that um what was the first thing you made then uh, the first flavor that you still might sell oh, in today? still now uh, something like peanut butter something like uh stem ginger mm. uh we used to do rum and raisin um well originally it was sultanas uh, and uh, Sultan, uh, so, well, we actually put it Sultan, and it wasn't until somebody turned around and said, no, it's not Sultan, it's Sultanas. Um, so we played around with lots and lots of flavors, but probably something like peanut butter and stem ginger uh, would be one of the first ones we ever used. And in the shop, is it just everything chocolate? There's no sort of other things that you sell? Just chocolate. Everything that to do with chocolate from... Um, giftware of, um, you know, bottles with 18 or 20 or one on or whatever it might be to all of our flavours, to your favourite of your dipped mallows. Um, yeah, it's, it's all to do with chocolate. That's where we're happiest. 
And so you, you mentioned before that you've won a lot of awards. Um, of do you want <laughs> to talk to me just about maybe a few of those, what they were? So um, we're now, as I say, we're now at 51 awards, including seven world awards. So to win a world award, you have to win your local uh, um, kind of uh, awards body. So that starts off with you have to win at the English awards. So we've won many a at the International British Awards. Once you've won at the British, you are then invited to the World Awards. At the World Awards, you then, literally, you take a bar of chocolate, you do whatever you're gonna to do to it, and you send it in with numbers on there, and that's it, and it is blind tasted from that. Wow. Um, our biggest award-winning chocolate now is uh, Kalamata Olive Oil and Dark Chocolate. That, we're the only UK company um, to ever be uh, nominated for this one award, which was a prestigious award of the alumni of chief tasters of the chocolate awards. We were wow. the only company to be nominated and we went on to win at that award for Great Britain. So we were really, really pleased with that one. But then there's, play, there's others like the Academy of Chocolate um, or one which people might know in the marketplace is Great Taste Awards. So we've never ever got to God status uh, of three stars, but we've got demigods, uh, uh, quite a few two stars and plenty of uh, one stars as well. So they're always good. We didn't win anything this year because we didn't enter anything this year. I actually had a year off of manufacturing for awards and they are expensive as well. Mm. We'll probably spend £2,000 a year on actually uh, putting a chocolate into awards. Wow. So it does, yeah, it's, it's not just you know, please enter um, and here's awards, you have to pay for the honour to be to be judged to see whether or not yours is good enough. Um, and then, so your team, is it just you and... My wife. wife. Uh, sorry, my wife. I was talking about my daughter then, no. Uh, Jackie. So there's me and Jackie who are both uh, directors of the business um, and we have part-time staff who come in and help us at the busy times, like Christmas. And you wouldn't ever potentially sell the chocolate to a supermarket to also stock no. it just no. keep it local no yes um we've already been asked by the co-op morrison's aldi and waitrose and we've turned them all down because of the business yeah it, it makes it, it takes the business into a completely different business process uh, prospect so at the minute say for instance let's let's work on aldi say for instance and they have 1,000 stores, mm -hmm. and I put 10 bags of chocolate a week into those 10,000 stores, sorry, into those 1,000 stores. That's now 10,000 bags of chocolate a week. Yeah. Now, they're not going to pay me the money which I need. They might pay me, say, £1.60 or £1.70 plus that. So we're now at £2. So they now owe me £20,000 a week just for chocolate. Mm. They might not pay me for three months. I'm now owed quarter of a million pounds. On top of that, I now need to invest quarter of a million pounds so I can keep up with 10,000 bars of chocolate a week. I now need to employ four more people. Mm. And I still haven't been paid for three months. And at any time within that period, they can turn around and say, nope, we don't want to do this anymore. I see I've just spoiled what is an amazing business by you know, massaging my ego of, oh, yes, we're in Morrison's or Booth's or whoever it might be. We have a very, very good business as it is. I don't need to mess it up. 
How was it in COVID? Obviously, the shops, the shop was I know shut. That sounds awful, and, and this is a horrible thing to say. We had our best year ever. Yeah, that's not a bad so, thing to say. So we went from on the first part of COVID, we shut the doors, um, and everything went online. Mm-hmm. After the first one, uh, where we did get some government help, we never got another ounce of government help. Whereas everybody else in Cedar Farm got government help to stay closed. We weren't because we're a food manufacturer. And the government never stipulated what was food and what wasn't food. So we were open. Uh, the internet in that year went up 750%. So that was very good. Um, on top of that, um, our wholesale customers who are made up of delis and food shops and the likes um, also um, increased their buying from us. Um, and we last year we had our best year ever. This year is still going well, even though we're not doing as much on internet as we were. Everyone, buddy, I think what happened was you could actually see it when the, the pubs opened, that's it. Everybody went to the pub and the kind of the, um, the buying virtually um, seized up that night. It just stopped and it's come back again and we're okay again now. You mentioned as well how you're not just a shop you have this chock a month subscription so if anyone listening is interested in that can you explain a bit more about that yeah so basically what that is it's a 10 pound a month or you can do it for three months or six months whatever you like um but it's basically a subscription service um where you will get our bar of the month which is a brand new flavor never to be kind of normally never to be repeated until it's really, really, really good. And we might bring it out as a normal flavor. But normally you will get two bars of chocolate, including our bar of the month and another from our range, delivered to your front door for you to try. Wow. And that's it. Very, very simple. But it allows me to keep on playing and coming up with new and weird and wonderful flavors. And then you also do courses and events. At the minute, yeah, the, we... I think since COVID, we've re-looked at the whole of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and since COVID, we haven't done any events outside of the shop. Um, and believe it or not, my mental health now is a lot better than it used to be because I was so stressed. I was you know, literally trying to keep the, the shop fully stocked with chocolate and then make enough chocolate to go and do an event. Um, we'll probably still do some of the larger events, but as for food festivals and that, the likes of that, we don't do that anymore. As for courses, we're not doing any courses until probably next year when we can see what happens with COVID over the Christmas period. Because I need six people around my table and it gets a little bit cosy. Now, I don't need at this time of year somebody having COVID and shutting me down for two weeks, yeah. um, especially this time of year. It's, it's one of those things. We will take normally about 50% of our turnover in the last three months of this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yes, chocolate is very uh, cyclical. It's, you know, you, you get a little bit for Valentine's, you get a lot more for Mother's Day and for Easter. Then it goes a little bit quiet and then it starts ramping up about September time, ready for, uh, ready for Christmas. Have you ever thought about doing sort of like an advent calendar, like a chocolate? We do. We we partnered with a a company in Germany at the present minute um, for advent calendars. Um, This year, we, especially on the large advent calendars, we, well, we probably 500% 
extra ordered and we've already sold out. Wow. Yeah. So we are going to look at doing our own full-on chocolate advent calendars next year. Um, but the problem is it, it's cost. You know, you need to go and get the moulds made. So there's £2,000 just for the moulds. It'll cost me another £1,000 to get the tooling for the packaging. Then I need to go and get the boxes to have it fitted into. That's another £1,000. That's mm. £4,000 before you even start. And the machines you were talking about, especially in the in the bottom corner of that screen, look to be very sort of big, expensive machines as well. Yeah, so, you know, we've invested heavily on machinery. So we have Izzy... Izzy, Gertrude, and Doris. So Izzy is white chocolate, a 12 kilo um, Selmi machine. Uh, they're all Selmi's, uh, which is an Italian company. Uh, we have Gertrude and Doris, who are both 24 kilo machines. And yeah, between those, there's probably 50,000 quid's worth of machinery. Then we have a specialist humidity controlled fridge, and then we'll have a spinner machine, and it just goes on and on. So what I originally thought was going to be a very cheap industry to get into mm. becomes very expensive. And somebody did turn around mm. and say many years ago, do you know what the cheapest thing about chocolate making is? The chocolate. And that's the weird thing. It's the processing and the cost. You know, we'll make, say, orange gel phrasing, a 250 mil bottle of orange oil is about 30 pounds i buy five milliliters of rose oil and that's 135 pounds for five mil so one teaspoon wow yeah so it becomes very expensive and then your molds are expensive so we do the likes of hot chocolate bombs mm. so you put those into your hot into your hot milk and that makes hot chocolate but we went and bought uh from germany four molds that's 800 pounds gone we do a wellington boot so we do a normal wellington boot throughout the year and we do santa's welly boot at christmas which is all bright red that mold and everything else cost me about two and a half thousand pounds so it becomes very very expensive to you know to make sure that it works yeah and so from say you creating the flavors and sorting it out to it how long does it take for it to then appear on the on the shelf in the shop if i'm doing bar of the month two days three days tops for some reason uh the one thing which i am very good at and this sounds like i'm blowing my own trump and i apologize um if i'm coming up with a new flavor it normally takes one go wow once it's made and if it goes into full production um, rather than just about a month, I will tweak it. So I remember our first award winner was salt licorice. And we were in uh, Botany Bay and a lady came in and said, do you make salt licorice? I said, I've never even heard of it. What is it? She went, uh, salt and licorice. I said, I'll tell you what, come back in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'll make you some. You can't do that. I said, yes, I can. It's my shop. And if you don't like it, get out. So <laughs> I had some dark chocolate tempering. And at the time I had some oil, which was aniseed oil. Now, if you offer proof aniseed oil, it tastes like licorice. Added salt, added li- that what tasted like a licorice. I made her some bars, and she went, oh, my God, how have you done that? Wow. But now we've played with it, and we add licorice compound to it. We add blackcurrant oil to it, so you get that kind of little bit of licorice in there, and you get blackcurrant, but then you get the saltiness coming through, which is not only salty, but also makes it sweet. Yeah. So, Salt in chocolate makes it salty and it makes it sweet. It's, it's a fabulous product to put in there. 
do you ever have time where you don't think about chocolate in your day like when you get home do do you think of anything else <laughs> yeah um i think you have to have some downtime so uh whether or not i'm for some reason my wife's got me glued to um strictly come dancing this year um but i love chef programs i've just watched the hairy bikers which is a great one so you're not thinking but then they'll turn around and say oh this flavor goes really well and i'll go oh i could put that in chocolate yeah so it always comes back to chocolate um you know i i like going out for food the problem i've got is i can cook to a very very high standard i'm not a chef by any uh, means but i can still cook to a very very high standard so if i go out for a meal i want to be wowed the problem mm -hmm. is now it's michelin star type food yeah. that's where you're heading you know um but then people turn around and say you know is your chocolate expensive well it's three pound fifty so it's not cheap but it's not expensive because if you look at what does expensive mean an expensive doesn't mean how much does it cost it means does it fulfill the value you've paid for? Mm. I'll reiterate that. So if I go out for a beautiful, amazing Michelin star meal, it might be 200 pounds for the two of us, it might be more. And I'm kind of like, wow, this is unbelievable. I can go out for a local pub meal and go, do you know what? That was absolutely garbage. That just cost me 60 quid. And that was garbage. Which is the expensive one? Is it the £200 one, which you've gone, wow, that was worth every single penny, or the mm. £60 one, which is, my God, that was awful. Yeah. So it's one. meeting people's expectations at a price which they find affordable. Yeah. That's what value for money is. I think a good flavour would be pork crackling and chocolate because it'd be very crunchy. Have you? Yeah, that was what we used in the uh, smoked bacon. <gasps> oh, pork that'd be the dream. I... I am obsessed with pork crackling. The biggest problem is, is the shelf life. You don't get a fantastic shelf life on the pork crackling. Mm. Um, but yes, um, yeah, we've done it. We've, we've played with things. I remember when we were up in Tarleton, there was a, a company up there called Flavor Fresh who make or who grow tomatoes. And he came in and said, I've got the head of buying coming in from Marks and Spencer's. Can you make me a uh, chocolate with tomatoes? And I said, yeah, I'll have a go. So he gave me all these tomatoes and we macerated them and then hung them. And we did um, got a, I think it's called tomato concast, which is in a, um, in a, a you, you kind of drain it out mm. through muslin. Um, and we had this beautiful, really intense tomato water, which we then mixed with white chocolate, a little bit of cream, and then put in um which one was it it was our three pepper mix which has got um lemon bhutan sichuan pepper long pepper and black pepper put those all together and then made truffles out of it and the guy went how on earth did you come up with that mm. so we're constantly looking at things you know i've played with white chocolate with coffee lemon and garlic oh. but garlic and white chocolate go amazingly well together yeah. So it's constantly looking at things and going, how can I put that into this? How can I do that and do this? And how can I do that and over there? And it's constantly looking at things, what we can do and what we can't do. Well, for someone who doesn't like chocolate a lot, you're so in inventive and sort of creative I'm and passionate. Handy. I am passionate about what, if you cut me through the middle, I will happily bleed chocolate. But do I want to eat it? Not particularly. <laughs> 
But I think for me that works because I can be very inventive. I can keep on pushing it. I can keep on looking at it. I can keep on going, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? And, you know, for me, if I'm going to buy chocolate, and it's very infrequent that I buy chocolate, I will go and buy um, some amazing bean-to-bar chocolate, but it'll cost me 10 or £12 a bar of chocolate. Mm. But whereas most people will eat a bar of chocolate in one sitting, that can last me a month to eat. Yeah. So if people are wanting to sort of buy your chocolate or visit the, the chocolate chocomore shop, can you just sort of reiterate where it is? Yeah, so times you're we're, we're based in Maudsley, which is about 15 minutes from Junction 27 off the M6. Um, put in the uh, postcode of L43SY, so Lima 43 Sierra Yankee, and that will bring you to our front door. Um, you kind of think that you're going into the middle of nowhere. You are. But just trust your, your sat-nav. You will get here. Um, we're online at www.chocomore.co.uk. Um, or there's local companies in Lancashire who buy our chocolate and sell it on our behalf as wholesalers. So Derby House is there, Cafe Manor, um, Bowl and Food up in Clitheroe, um exchange coffee we've just been making this morning bars for the bee center for their bee chocolate so they give us heather honey and we put that into their chocolate into our chocolate and make bee bars for them heather honey bee bars um so we're constantly looking at things uh we're talking with uh, a a major um foodie in the northwest at the minute who wants to, us to make chocolate for his new venture in preston Ooh, so yeah watch this space definitely and you're open are you open every day no we're we're closed on a monday and then we're open tuesday to sunday 10 till hmm, five o'clock um come sorry come december the 24th at about 2 30 we will shut but then we'll shut and keep closed until about the 18th of January. Um, that's for annual holidays. We do it every year. And the reason being is, if you look at our marketplace, our marketplace is predominantly female who buy our chocolate. And if you look at the numbers, 80% of all chocolate purchased in the UK is by females. I'm not saying it's all eaten by females, but 80% of all chocolate is purchased by females. Now, we also know that come January, we've all had a bit too much to drink, a bit too much to eat, and slobbed out on the sofa for a bit too long. So come January the 1st, everybody goes on a diet. Mm. So chocolate is not the thing you want to eat for the first couple of weeks. We understand that. We take holidays. And then by about the third week, everybody's resolve of I've given up chocolate for this length of time kind of goes, okay, where's the gin and tonic? Where's the red wine? Where's the white wine? And where's the chocolate? by which time we're back open and people can come and buy. So what's the rest of your day looking like today then, Paul? Today, um, I've got everything which I've made this morning needs packing. Uh, so we've got a couple of customer orders, which we've done. Uh, so I've made um, something like 100 bags of chocolate for one customer, now Ponzi, um, who are a local company. Uh, I've got the bee bars to actually start um, packing up. And then packing everything again so that we can keep our shop full. You know, our shop is a very, very busy little place. 
might not look very big, but it does sell a lot of chocolate from there. So, yeah, I've made my chocolate for today. I'll be back in it tomorrow morning at half six to make all the dark chocolate because we've been making milk chocolate today. So it'll be dark chocolate tomorrow morning. Amazing. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Paul. That's been really interesting. Thank you very much for your time as well. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.